I wish there was like a countdown for the lives where it was just like yeah, you are gonna be live in five, four. It's just like because yeah, it's not like you can edit it. Right, it's like checking connection. You're live. Oh, hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Alternative Blacks podcast. That's what it would sound like, right? Yeah. So so welcome to another episode of the Alternative Blacks podcast IG live series. That's right. That was long winded. Uh, so we just hey, what's up, man? Uh, we just wanted to first start off by saying congratulations to Ruby Mora because right. she won the raffle. And we raised $200. We raised 200 whole dollars. Which is going to go wholly to uh, the Okra Project. So $200 going to the Okra Project. Thank you guys for uh, donating to the raffle. It was really cool to have that uh, done. Anador was really the person the behind driver, it. Yeah, she know. drove this and uh, it went... Better than expected, and we're hoping to do it again with different breweries and for other projects. So stay tuned to that. Keep your eyes peeled. The Cowboys win was amazing. Are Jeez, we right. able? Are we able to kick people out? Can of we the block eye? people? <laughs> he comes in trolling every think, single week. Right. Other week. Yes. But tonight, you know, we wanted to say. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a text. <laughs> Uh, tonight, we wanted to first say shout out to Ruby for winning that and being part of that. Uh, Randy just jumped in. I know he uh, pledged some money to the the raffle as well, so thank you. We also wanted to just, um, did we say sorry or just give our thoughts and prayers to, one, the black community at large because of what we're going through, not only in Kentucky and nationwide, but also what has been going on in Berks County with Roxanne's case and what the DA and the police department have been doing or not doing. Um, so we just wanted to give thoughts and prayers and uh, specifically thoughts and prayers and have our, I don't even know how to say this, but we're... Our, like our condolences, condolences and our support and, and our support with the bla- Specifically the black women. And if there's anything that we can do uh, as a podcast to help out that community... Let us know. Uh, in particular, please let us yeah. know, and we will do whatever we can when we advocate for everything within the craft beer community. We're not just doing it as two black males, but we're do- doing it for all uh, people in general, especially <laughs> when it comes to women in the craft beer industry, because they are very underrepresented as well. So uh, this is something very near and dear to our hearts. With that being said, the whole point of tonight is supposed to be lighthearted on IG Live. It's supposed to be a little lighter of a subject. So we're talking about art versus the artist and in terms of can you separate the artist uh who they are as a person outside of their art and their art themselves so when we talk about that we're thinking of people like kanye we're thinking of michael jackson we're thinking of bobby brown uh we're talking about hp lovecraft when we look at lovecraft country and who that was himself so right but first what's drinking ah i am drinking straight out of your fridge straight out of fridge (laughs) Uh, it is the new front line. It's a peanut butter milkshake pale ale from Tattered Flags. Have you had this? I have. And what are, what are your thoughts? It's delicious. Um, I think it's a lot sweeter than I was expecting it to be. Uh, it, it almost gives me like like that confectionery peanut butter, like peanut butter on a candy taste instead of just like peanut butter by itself so what's interesting is like when i had my first peanut butter beer it was sweet baby jesus and this i is com- this is completely different i absolutely hated it but i am about this i kind of like this well is 
How many peanut butter beers have you had? My fair share as of recently as I started trying to jump into more stouts and porters. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Most most uh, most peanut butter beers are stouts and porters, and they're usually chocolate peanut butter. So it's kind of like, you, yeah, you can find your good ones, but it's like such a narrow like combination, mm. and there's so much more out there. And I, I'm on the search for all peanut butter beers. If you have a peanut butter beer, let me know. Please. Please. Um, so this one's a milkshake pale ale. It's not an IP, it's just a pale ale, right? But it's a milkshake uh, pale ale. So I've never had a peanut butter beer in, in this style before, so I was kind of interested to see. But, you know, like I said, normally you think of, like, maybe, like, uh, stout or porter with, like, that dark coffee bitter taste to go with, like, mm-hmm. a peanut butter as a beer. Um but I quite enjoy these lighter styles, like a pale ale, like a milkshake pale ale, or I've had uh, had a uh, wheat beer that was a peanut butter. I think it was a wheat beer, or it might have been like a blonde, like a blonde ale, like something very light and something very light and weedy, but with peanut butter, and that was really nice. White and weedy. White and weedy. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, peanut butter is definitely an interesting flavor when it comes to beer. As you said, the uh, chocolate seems to be something that a lot of people just kind of assume goes with it. Uh, But how do you expand beyond that? Because I think that's something that we're running into the craft beer community is you're getting your like tropical IPAs. You're getting like your standards for every single kind of thing. So how do you uh, set yourself apart from what's being done across the board? You could either do it so well that it's not like you can't compare yourself to anybody because you're like purple monkey dishwasher exactly or you kind of come out with a peanut butter milkshake pale oil which is delicious i i I quite enjoy it and i'm not huge on sweet normally but this does this does it well i give this a four you give this a four (laughs) wow it's probably because it's a pale ale exactly this were a stout it'd be like a two probably knowing you there you go although you did slander Sweet Baby Jesus, rightfully so, right, but I will so. say I had it within the last year, and it isn't awful. It's not awful. It's just not great. It's just not great. Eee, where are you going? All right, cool. So now that we're going to get into the meat and potatoes is a phrase that I've been hearing a lot more recently. Uh, meat and potatoes of this IG Live episode. I think the best one to start off with in terms of separating the art from the artist is Joe Budden because you and I have been talking about Joe Budden a lot recently, specifically when it comes to podcasting. Do you want to give the background? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, no, Joe Budden's no, like, uh, nothing new. To, it's nothing new to controversy with Joe Budden. But, right. And I know you appreciate him as the rapper more than the podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a good rapper. But I, 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 man, you're setting me up. I don't even know, like, I know Pump It Up I was and, like, Slaughterhouse, songs. Pump It Up and, uh, uh, <laughs> hold up, I got this. Pump uh, It Up something, and Does Slaughterhouse stuff count? I don't even know don't much know. Slaughterhouse If stuff. anybody in here can name another song by Joe Budden that isn't Pump It Up. Clubbing, because he talks about, he, they, they, they mentioned that on the podcast. Five Fire. songs. Five songs. All right, name five Fire, songs. Clubbing, and Pump It Up. That's three. And then, like, he did he did a Drake diss. That counts. He did two. No, he did three Drake disses. So there okay, you go. Okay, so six. there we go. <laughs> there you go. 
instantly good in my books as soon as you brought up the disses. Uh, so, but no, he is, uh, for people that don't know, he has one of the largest podcasts in the country. Um, and it, it was Spotify exclusive for the past two years up until uh, like last week was when the deal ended. And a, two weeks ago, I think, he went on the podcast and just completely shat all over Spotify and their business practices and all the shady stuff that they had been doing um, and basically saying, hey, they're not for us, they're not for black ownership, and I'm coming and telling you this isn't it, we're done after this, and I'm just airing it all out, and we'll be good, we'll figure it out. And... Uh, <laughs> so throw on some t- <laughs> dust on eight track. Oh, that was great. You about to pump it Ooh. up? We pumping it up on a Thursday night? No, oh, <laughs> no. But uh, so he went on the podcast and he he shat on them for like three hours, right? Because all of his podcasts are three hours long. But that's how you know it's that's how you know it's a popular podcast. It's three hours long and people are listening all the way through. So, he does this, and the power move to me was, it's a Spotify-exclusive podcast. So, he does put the video of the podcast out later, and with all the copyrighted stuff removed, like all the songs and stuff they play. But, like, podcast form, you get it on Spotify only. So, I'm on Spotify listening him shit on Spotify for three hours. about And talking about ownership, and the whole reason that he's doing this is because they tried to take ownership away and ownership is all you have if you're Especially getting with podcasts yeah you're yeah. you're being given you're being offered all this money but at the end of the day all we have is what we own personally the money doesn't really mean anything because you can't control there's no integrity there and that was basically his argument and like maybe a week later, all of us, all of a sudden, all of this, all of these allegations started to come out about uh, his past relationships with mental and physical uh, abuse of uh, his past partners. Um, and I don't know the validity of of it, and I, I can believe it, but it, the the timing was weird for me, just because he had just shot on a billion dollar, you know a billion dollar corporation that Spotify is at this point. Right. It used to be the small guy, but now it's like, now it's the person, now it's the guy. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's, there's backlash that has nothing to do with that. And, you know, it's, it kind of brought up this conversation, I think of separating the art from the artist. Cause do, do we just completely write off what he said that isn't related to the allegations and, uh, you know, and still hold that in in its light and give that its proper place, even though the person who said it might not have been the best the best person in general. Because who is the best person in general? You know what I mean. So this is the conversation we're having. Yeah, that's true. And if you have anybody that uh, any individual in particular that you would like to discuss as well, hit us up. You can also probably just pop into this. We we have room for you guys to pop in. Uh, that's why we're doing the live together right now. But um, yeah, our list in is, if you have a if you have an opinion, we can we can discuss it. Maybe play some Joe Budden. Yeah, but our list is going to be like compromised. Really, it'd be behind Bobby Brown, James Brown, Michael Jackson, H.P. Lovecraft, 
Kraft and Chris Brown, and then Anador has notes as well that we'll get into. <laughs> We're riding a bus. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be a. F- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we can just heckle people outside the window too. The people will probably be heckling us. That's probably right. On the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we only have so much space to work with. Um, but yeah, because Instagram doesn't allow landscape on the phone for a live Instagram. Get your shit, Instagram. Get your shit together. So as we go through these different people that we're trying to separate art from the artist and take a look at their personal lives versus their uh, professional life and how do you hold someone up to a certain standard while also looking at them and saying like, okay, can we still actually listen to their body of work and recognize them for the greatness that they have within that body of work while still holding them accountable for who they were. So Bobby Brown. <laughs> we can start with Bobby Brown. And so I like don't really know too much about Bobby Brown outside of the like all yeah, the abuse. Because you weren't because we weren't there. We weren't there for him. You know what I mean? Like we weren't alive when he was the thing. But I also know a lot of people in our generation that are like huge with like Teddy Riley and um obviously looking at New Edition and everything that he was involved with. So I, I don't know if it's as much that or it's just we weren't into that and we didn't have really anybody introducing us to that. Well, well, see, here's, that, here's the thing. That's the thing about it, you know? It's, it's twofold because we weren't there for the greatness of the art, but we also weren't there for the allegations. So it's like, yeah, if you can say, oh, all I heard was the allegations, but are you really like, fuck Bobby Brown right now? Okay, you know so I mean? Randy brought up something really good that we don't even have on the list is R. Kelly. So uh, I think yeah. R. Kelly is a perfect well, example of just I think, canceled. I think, I think that one was so cut and dry that we just, <laughs> but, we didn't even put it on the list, but, but it's like, such a good topic. Let's have that real honest conversation about R. Kelly, though, because we were having these conversations on R. Kelly during like the boondocks. So like there were so many steps leading up, like so many... Uh, things that we forgave in a sense yeah, of exactly. R. Kelly until he got, recently. He, got, he had so much. He had so much privilege in his position, right? And he took he took advantage of that privilege again and again and again until you know the pot boiled over. Right. And it unfortunately took the pot boiling over for all of this to happen. It could have been done much earlier on, and probably many lives left unaffected by what happened but yeah exactly so many passes he got he you know it's it's ridiculous when you think about it and it kind of speaks to like position and uh what an entertainer's value really is in 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 the like are they really immune from this stuff and i think R. Kelly, because of how manipulative he was, was able to use his status to, you know, keep the law at bay for quite a while. Well, it's interesting because we'll wrap up Bobby Brown, but uh, I'll speak on the research that I did under James Brown after this. But so yeah. Bobby Brown, his list of um, fuck shit is how I categorize it, was really exponentially long it was so it was not drugs if it's not violence if it's not what happened with uh whitney like well that's the big that's the huge one as well it's 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 what what he did there as well but once again you know 
compare him to R. Kelly in the sense of like public perception at this moment, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's because that was so long ago now to us that weren't living at the time, living in it at the time, we we don't see the greatness, but we also don't feel the the immediate outrage and anger. Plus, the era that it was back then was completely different than the era it is now. That's true, and that's the, a lot of the things. To, yeah, yeah, a lot of things that we would consider fuck shit now were normal, right? In those times, so. Right, and so I, I think going into James Brown, even there was even uh, towards the end of his life, there was a rape accusation that went against James Brown, and part of the reason nothing ever happened with that accusation was the statute of limitations was so long, and it's just like really weird that you can set a statute of limitations on an event like that because of yeah mental distress and because of that like uh, just what yes. it does to your mental health. Statute really. of limitations on. Anything, sexual abuse? Sexual abuse, or any mental abuse, really. True. Any mental or physical abuse should not have a statute of limitations on it. it, it kind of, I want to segue into a different conversation prior to, uh, before getting back into the, the separating art from the artist, is the, um, the Rational Anger podcast right now is having this discussion over, uh, oh, what did they call it? Oh, something porn. It was it was like this trauma, uh, traumatic like things that we see about black communities on TV. So when you look at like Queen and Slim, they talk about it with like the the violence and everything. Uh, but when you talk about uh, it, it's sort of similar to me with like uh, oh oh you're talk you're talking about like I I get I get what you're saying right like, like putting these things in front of us all the time. So seeing right. the abuse that like black women specifically had to go through and. Uh, trauma porn. Trauma Thank porn, you. Yeah. Uh, so having this conversation is like so when you look back at James Brown and you're telling your story, do you take these and obviously with Chadwick Boseman and his uh, um, rendition of him and his reenactment of him, like we we you saw some of the abuse, but we didn't see everything. Um, so it's these conversations that we're we're having is what gets left unsaid gets left unsaid because of their. Uh, their popularity, what gets left unsaid because we're trying to not create trauma porn. Like, what what is the responsibility of us as the consumer and as people that are also explaining these stories or sharing these stories and, and sharing uh, the truth? Because it's like uh, Huckleberry Finn, or Tom Sawyer to me, where it's like, okay, we're going to take the word nigger out of the, the book and we're going to replace it with slave. I was like, is that actually much better? Or in like, what right. is that actually benefiting? Is that like really taking away the guilt from, is that taking away white guilt? And is that adding again, more trauma to another person? So it's these very thin lines that we have to work with. And so James Brown was the godfather of soul, but there are so many uh, other elements at play here because of the abuse, because of the uh, drug use and because of all of these other things that take take place, like uh, James Brown was no stranger to jail. Like, wh- where are all of these things coming from? And I, it's it's sparking an idea for next week's episode. But before I commit to it, I think we should just continue down the list, and maybe this will lead. In, uh, as we look at more of these, we'll have a better understanding of what next week might look like for our actual episode. 
So we had James Brown, we just did Bobby Brown, and now we're on to Michael Jackson. We're kind of plowing through this, but... Um, no, but I think... And we did R. Kelly. Yeah. Well, you know, Michael Jackson's another one of those everyone kind of knows about it, and I think we were just old enough at the time to kind of see a lot of the backlash that was coming uh, with Michael Jackson, you know, involved with, like, all of the child abuse claims, um... <clears throat> The, skin, the, the the transformation, I would say, the physical transformation. Vital- <laughs> vitilago. Vitilago. Or, or the opposite of what Uncle Ruckus has, yeah. which is re-vitilago. <laughs> re-vitilago, yeah. Oh. But he is, his art, he is the king of pop, right? Of pop. He, no one touches his music. Tyler? I'm sorry. <laughs> It was a bad joke. I didn't even make the joke. I could have, but I didn't. Growth. No one touches his music. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. But seriously, though, no, I don't think anyone has actually conflated his art with him and his trials and tribulations or his allegations and you know i i wonder here is it that if you, if your art is so great that it transcends you the person mm. excuse me is michael jackson the artist completely separate from michael jackson the per the person in this sense can you make that distinction I think a lot of people have already given their verdict on that, which is you can because Michael Jackson is still beloved and, you know, people still play his music all the time and still remember the music for the music's sake and his music career. But And not only that, a lot of the things that he did outside of his music in terms of raising awareness for, like, uh, like HIV and AIDS and... Uh, the poverty issues that existed mm-hmm. throughout the world and just uh, racial inequality. So, I mean, it, it's really an interesting conversation to be had, in, in my opinion, because there is so much good, but at the same time, where where is the cutoff? How, how do you make this distinction? Because at one point, you know, you're looking at entertainers as solely that, as like, are they... Is what they're putting out... Um, to a certain standard or to a unreachable standard and for for Michael Jackson for James Brown like when you're talking about these uh transitions of people certainly when you talk about the James Brown influence on Michael Jackson um and then the influence that Michael Jackson had afterwards it's kind of without these two individuals where music what what is music today right we can even go forward and we, we can even then discuss Chris Brown. Yeah, we can. Because it, I often look at it as like James Brown influences Michael Jackson, influences Chris Brown. like when, or, or like influences Usher, then influences Chris Brown. Right? When, you, when you're having these conversations, that could be off. There's probably a lot of in between. But um, Chris Brown hurt my wife. Sorry, had to get that out there. Had to make sure people understood that where Rihanna and I stand. But uh, no, when you're looking at Did you get any free uh, Fenty Fenty? merch? Uh, I got the Fenty skin products. Free? 
I support her. From? No, I support her. So I made sure. Oh, to... because you because you support black women. Right, you... exactly, and that's why I supported. Gotcha. My wife, and I, gotcha. She, you know, she wanted to send stuff for free, but I said no. I I will invest. <laughs> How's your girlfriend feel about that? She understands. There's a clear understanding of where I stand with these things. Um, so you got like the Will and Jada thing going on, I guess. Right, it's an entanglement. Um, <laughs> so no, Chris Brown, obviously, uh, since what, middle school era for us, so like early 2000s, has been putting mm-hmm. out catchy songs, pop songs, like yeah, through and yeah. through. And obviously, is an entertainer. As a performer, as a performer, multifaceted. Exactly. However, when that incident with Rihanna did, yeah, I know. (laughs) People understand. Uh, (laughs) When when that uh, incident with Rihanna came out, and with the uh, the abuse that that he put her through, and everything that he's put other people through, it, it becomes how do you separate who this person is especially when a lot of his songs deal with romance and relationships you know how how do you separate that from the uh the the music from the person that's singing about it yeah um it's tough and i think uh this is the last this is the last one that we have that's a, a, a an art a music artist right so i think in this sense we can kind of unless we then, go into kanye but now, we I think that's a whole episode. No, it can, but 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 it's it kind of speaks to my question and my point is. Mm, excuse me. Oh, Chuck Berry. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. I did not know about that. I'm gonna have to do a whole Chuck Berry thing because Chuck. So Randy said Chuck Berry. Woo, ladies' room toilet cams, poop videos, talk about fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. But we we gotta take a look at Chuck Berry when it comes to like Elvis Presley and some shit too. So like that's yeah. That, yeah. So Chuck Berry will be another complete episode. Yeah. Which on Elvis, Elvis here here's another person who basically oh, took sure. a child, made the child live with him until she was of age, and then married her. Right. So, you know, Mister Mister King of Rock or whatever the fuck you you want you want to say. Whatever, so there's another instance, and that and for that one, everyone completely separated that from the music. Sure, because it took me forever to even know that happened, learn that happened. You know, so there's an there's an instance of that. I think, I think for the question I have though, and for anyone who's in here, if you want to put in on the question. Is it that, because to me, it is, if their art is trying to pass off an idea and their actions as a person completely contradict that, that's my cutoff between putting the art before them and separating the person from the art. If... So so my thing is, where is your line? What is your line when you really sit back and think about it? You or anyone else? Oh, okay. You? You? You! You or you or you? <laughs> um, where, what's your line? I think for me it is, and is, is my line, do you agree with my line? If it's 
say, okay, Chris Brown puts out a song about love and it has to be, and, and, you know, he's doing all these fantastic things. And after that, he comes, he comes out as being completely contradictory to that. Then you have, then right there you say, okay, this song, that, that's bullshit, you know, and then, then you can condemn him from there. But if it's something like the Joe Budden thing, right, where and where I'm not speaking anything specific to the Chris Brown point, I was just it's on the screen, yeah, so yeah. I said, and or is it a situation like say the Joe Budden thing where the allegations against him didn't take away from the point he was making right before the allegations? So that to me, I can separate that because what he said is important and good right, and, and just then, because it came from someone who did this bad thing that's different right. it doesn't necessarily change the fact of what is, what happening. is happening it's just another said. nuance of who that person is and should be taken seriously and it, you can address both right exactly separately. they're not uh they you can are, still say he's you could say I, I i don't fuck with you but I do fuck with what you said. They're, they're, they're separate issues, and so you need to address this and you need to address that. It's not to say that, oh, the Spotify thing takes precedence and all these allegations are just bullshit anyways. It's saying, this is a real issue, so is this. Don't use this to detract from this because this needs to... Right, exactly. I, I see what you're saying here. Because, my, yeah, my whole yeah. take is um, people are human. Like I, I think that's the, the biggest thing that we oftentimes disassociate celebrities with is their humanity we, we take their humanity away from them so whether it's right. a uh athlete whether it's an actor whether it's a uh, singer whether it's a politician we take the the human nature out of these people and expect them to live up to a certain like moral standing like higher moral standing a lot of times where we're not where it's inexcusable for them to make any type of mistake and that's what I really want to focus on, though, is the word mistake. So a mistake is saying, I've done this once. You guys, like, I, I see where I, I screwed up. I see where I fucked up. I'm going to right. address it, and I am going to, con like, consistently put in efforts to make sure that not only do I fix my problem, but that I can, if I have the access or if I have the power or privilege or uh, resources to help improve this overall, I will. When I see that, I'm just like, all right, cool, let's keep it pushing like this person learned. What happens though is when I see, uh, for instance, it's like, it, it's really hard for me to listen to some James Brown stuff. Like I appreciate who James Brown is, but at the same time, it, it was not a one-off incident. But this is where, again, I want to bring in the topic of next week's episode which i think we should do for next week episode uh, especially with that this month is mental health uh, awareness month it is talk about the mental health and the mental well-being of these people so we're talking about a lot of black individuals who are coming from uh area poor. poor areas so yeah. you already know they're not getting resources that were afforded other people and not to say some of these people were living in an era of great mental health but the fact still remains, like, when you look at Chris Brown, who's more recently, like, when he comes out of his rehabilitation in jail, they're diagnosing him with bipolar disorder. He has a certain level of PTSD with his run-in with the cops. Like, it's the same thing with Kanye and then the bi uh, bipolar issues that he's going through. It's, if they weren't celebrities, they would not 
be getting these issues identified and mm-hmm. getting at least an attempt for help in uh, transition. And Oh, and this is where I actually want to begrudgingly, but not really begrudgingly, okay. uh, shout out Dak Prescott because mm-hmm. he came out about mental health awareness uh, right before the season started because he lost his brother to suicide uh, at the beginning of uh, quarantine, I think. And he was having these same types of thoughts at the beginning of quarantine as well, um, being cooped up inside and not being able to kind of live a normal life. So he kind of came out and spoke out about that. Um, So I I appreciate that. Wish he wasn't on the Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah, and I think when we look at quarantine (laughs) and mental health issues that are in place there, I think what happens is it's not quarantine that's creating a lot of these mental health issues. It's quarantine that is exposing a lot of it's these exacerbating mental, exacerbating the, the issue. And so when I look at, like, when people are trying to say that sports are the answer, uh, especially when it comes to the high school level, it's like, oh, no, so you're finally willing to address that these issues exist within these communities and that you should have been putting uh, resources and different uh, outlets, or not outlets, but, like, again, resources and uh, financial contributions into helping these areas. That that's where I go into the uh, that's where the crux of the issue is. It, it shouldn't be this is a reason to potentially expose people to other things. It should be oh yes, we finally realized this. Let's actually address the issue. Saying let's let's have football come back isn't actually addressing the mental health issue. No. It's it's just uh, fixing a personal need. So scholastic football, right, 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 specifically, right, right, right. Because right. I mean, like, I mean football in general, but like. But at least with, like, NFL and stuff like that. But it's their, have it this, is their job, you, sort and, of. And so, like, you have... But it's bringing them enough money to, to put the preventative yeah, nature. Exactly. And, and they, they have all of that quarantine. stuff. They don't have to worry Not about only it. are they getting paid to do it, the people that are paying them actually have the resources to put them in a safe environment and a safe right. workplace. So they're able to go out and perform their jobs, albeit in an altered fashion, kind of, especially with the NBA, but... You know, which just did a wonderful job of this, I think. Yeah, actually. Um, which is probably the hardest thing Speaking of the NFL level, doing a wonderful job, fucking Miami Heat. Yeah, great job. <laughs> also, kind of fuck the NBA because the like all those uh, all those statements that you could put on the back of your jerseys this year, you know, everyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of Black Lives Matter, a lot of Say Her Name. It was actually a list of t- 26, I think, or maybe more maybe to up to 40 some uh pre agreed upon phrases that you could have on the back of your shirt um and it was odd what was left off the list such as Breonna Taylor's actual name um and things of that nature you Ooh. can make references like say her name but you couldn't but out- you couldn't actually outright say defund the police you couldn't outright say arrest the murders of Breonna Taylor, or even just put Breonna Taylor. So, it's a little okay. corporate there. Which it always was going to be. Uh, them doing what they did wasn't going to be a, uh, oh, they're great for me. That was never going to be the case, but it's interesting. Yeah. It's and not it's changing. Well, it's worth noting, that's for yeah. sure. It's worth noting once again that... But I wanted to transition from mental health. Um, I wanted to transition from these black artists who weren't given the... Uh, opportunity or the resources in order to potentially have a lot of these uh, issues addressed earlier um, or to have been provided enough counsel 
to even prevent some of these things that did happen within their lives. Uh, I want to talk about somebody that came, I think, well before any of these people. That's H.P. Lovecraft. And I will bring him up, and I bring him up often, is because of Lovecraft Country, which I think is an amazing show, and I think it addresses a lot of different issues. Um, and actually, I think maybe we'll talk about it next week, now that mental health, mental health is going to be the next episode. All right. So I, I think there's actually some things that can be said in terms of mental health as well. But when we're talking about separating art from the artists and what a person is, now we're not looking at how messed up of a person is mental health-wise in terms of um, schizophrenia, like bipolar disorder, PTSD, like any of these types right. of like things. Now we're talking about how do you separate racists from their work. This is what H.P. Lovecraft, for those of that don't know. Nuanced. Um, yeah. So throughout his adult life, Lovecraft was never able to support himself. Uh, this is a Wikipedia Good. because I love Wikipedia. Good. This is great. Uh, never was able to support himself through earnings as an author and editor. And so when I say this, his family was kind of well off anyway. So, like, he uh, couldn't support himself. But, but like, it took a while support. for his family to go poor. So, <laughs> he was virtually he unknown. Got, he got a small loan of yeah, exactly. $10 million. Dollars. Seriously. Like, so, one of the things when, after a couple bad investments from his uncle, uh... Because his father died from whatever, and then, like, he lived with whoever. So after a couple bad investments from his uncle, they eventually had to fire the wait staff uh, so that they could cut back expenses. That's what I mean by, like, oh, he never made money. Oh, okay. So they, they were poor, <laughs> poor. Uh, they couldn't afford a wait staff? Right. No. no, like, they had to get rid of all the staff from their estate. They have an estate? <laughs> He was virtually unknown during his lifetime and was almost exclu exclusively published in pulp magazines before he died in poverty. So there you go. At the age of 46. Ah, fantastic. But is now regarded as one of the most significant 20th century authors of supernatural horror fiction. And I want to bring up this in, in, uh, more specifically because this was kind of left out. Like, they, they alluded to uh, his racism, but they say it wasn't as much as racism. It might have been at first, but by the end, it was classism and elitism, even though he died in poverty. And it was more about having this higher standard. And he did look at blacks, Jews, and Germans in a different light. Which is funny that Jews and Germans were in the same, but whatever. Um, so he has a poem, a very early poem. And I call this Lovecraft on Race because uh, the poem's called On the Creation of Niggers. And so I'll read it for you in case you're not watching Lovecraft Country. That better Lovecraft be the screenshot for our, for our IG Live. This is... Right. Uh, so, when long ago the gods created Earth and Jove's fair image man was shaped at birth, the beasts for lesser parts were next designed, yet were they too remote for humankind. To fill the gap and join the rest to man, the Olympian host conceived a clever plan. A beast they wrought in semi-human figure, fill it with vice, and called the thing a nigger. So this is H.P. Lovecraft. So the reason I bring up Lovecraft and want to talk about this is because how do you separate, like, one of, again, uh, what would be regarded as one of the most significant 20th century authors of supernatural horror fiction uh, from the, the blatant an obvious racism that exists within him because the show um lovecraft country is obviously this this guy atticus who is into 
uh, science fiction as an escape from the reality that exists in, with it, which is a lot of racism um, that exists within uh, without the world. It's just funny that he looks towards a racist for his escape from racism. So it is that conversation. Like, if, if black people, especially black people in America, were to look for outlets that did not exist within a realm of racism, like, how does that exist? Like, what are you able to do? So is there even that culturally, like, yeah, we're able to build ourselves, but based off of what ground or what, like, standing points? And then when we do create something that would be uh, considered quintessentially black, is that not adopted by the masses and then, then appropriated and then, then misconstrued and then created into a new art form that now has inevitably some semblance or some relation to a racist system? What do you say? Yeah, right. so saying basically uh, a lot of times these artists are surrounded by people uh, on the payroll who look the other way because they're losing their livelihoods. That true. is absolutely true. Money talks. And I think, I think many times, I mean, it's pretty clear that that's kind of how things go. But, you know, basically, if your, if your livelihood's on the line, it doesn't matter what your quote-unquote morals are. Although, if you're a moral person, that shouldn't matter as much. But, you know, you, you kind of look the other way to these things, and you look because that is your money machine. That's how you're doing it. Uh, but but in in H.P. Lovecraft's situation, it's interesting considering that uh, he seems to have been more one one of those like Van Gogh people who didn't get his fame and money until after he died. And so in this instance, it's like doubly awful because you are taking the works of a racist and pushing the works of a racist out but also benefiting off of someone after they died so you don't have to actually pay them. <laughs> they're, do, they're just due for their creation. So while I don't feel bad for H.P. Lovecraft, it doesn't take away, once again, it, two bad things can happen at the same time. It doesn't take away from almost the vulturing of the work afterwards. Right. And again, I just want to take this moment to like, if you're at all interested in what we've been discussing tonight or even like anything that we discussed on any of our shows i if you have the opportunity look into lovecraft country because i i think they speak on so many different levels of um racism classism like just different like all social the issues isms. all the isms uh it's not just like uh on a black man, male perspective and not even the macho men like perspective because you're, you're dealing with uh, issues revolving around the sexuality and uh, the African-American culture and everything like that. How do you come to terms with that? And that's a great uh, line as well. But you're talking about these different women and how they're uh, able to navigate throughout this, uh, this science fiction world in such a way that kind of breaks down these different stereotypes that are put in front of us so often. And when we're talking about these trauma porn, a lot of those stereotypes are broken down as well, I, I think. So I, I would just like implore you to watch this because it is such an interesting uh, case study and they have a great podcast that gets released immediately after a show. So you, I just recommend it. That's all I have to say about that. I haven't watched it yet, yeah. so I don't have much else to say about that. So do we want to get into Anadors? Yeah. Points? Because yeah. we have about, you know, um, 
less than 20 minutes, but I think we have enough time to go through all of this. Yeah, so uh, Anadur's thoughts on pros and cons of separating art from the artist uh, and what is the responsible action. Uh, what is the responsible what's what's the responsibility of everyday people who consume art for critics in the line for critics the line is more clear they have uh, direct responsibility for what is publicized and in what light it is shown it's an active and deliberate choice for them to look past the person creating the work I love this because this is when you start looking at like um, at award shows for me this is when you start looking at like okay can can we really separate who this person is and then uh, what what is more important? And I think of this in terms of like even Breonna Taylor, like when when that verdict comes through, it's just like okay, uh, the neighbors and the 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 apartments of the people nearby are more important than Breonna Taylor, so that's being shown, and, and I think that is directly correlated uh, could be directly correlated to with art, where it's just like oh yeah, this person's a piece of shit, but look what they did with this art. Right, so that's that's kind of how the police and the government view Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. in this situation as less than that as just less than yeah and, that, that, and they've shown that over and over again and what is valued more is it the black lives or uh and, and what you could say black lives or uh, ethics or quote unquote progress or the product. Product, there, product, progress of the product. Yes. Okay. Pro- progress of the product. I think it's a curveball. <laughs> yeah. It's more of like a slider. <laughs> it's been a while. What, what do you know? Um, as an everyday consumer, uh, Anador's uh, choices are based on moral obligation before ethical um, or philosophical decisions. The, dis- uh, the disgust that she feels uh, when hearing a musician or director she admires has done something shitty is louder than the love she feels for what they've created. Because ultimately, no matter how much it sucks to listen or to not listen to a certain band uh, or watch a movie, uh, getting abused sucks much worse. Uh, yeah, because like for me, it's Tarantino, I think, is a really good example in terms of movie people. Like... <sighs> Um, I loved Kill Bill. I loved Kill Bill 1 and 2. Um, did you love the Django? Fiction. Django already caused a lot of issues for me. I wasn't sure really how to feel about Django. I played a nice drinking game to Django, oh, though. Really? Huh. Yeah. I played a funny drinking game to Django, and then I woke up hungover the next morning, and I woke up, walked by somebody's house, and they opened the, the door. And a, yeah, and a German Shepherd came out the door, so I, I had like a little PTSD after watching Django. Why but, do you have all these stories? It's my life. But uh, Tarantino, I think, is a fuck piece of shit. And I actually don't think he's ultimately that great anymore. I think he's riding off the coattails of what he did earlier on. And because he was allowed to be so outlandish. Django it was good, but at the same time, what bothers me about Django is the fact that the reason the uh, nigga, or nigger is in that movie so many times is because Tarantino feels like he can get away with saying it. That many times. Tarantino has no problem with saying that word. And that's what bothers me about Tarantino. Is yeah. because he thinks he's uh, quirky enough. But above, you know, uh, ethical, like, moral standards that most people would actually have to, to abide or adhere to. And, and so there, I always have an issue 
with Tarantino and I find myself being more critical of his work because of it. So while I guess I still accept his work and I still fucking, I guess, pay money for it, um, there's a weird association with it that I, I can't disconnect from because I, obviously, what everything I just said exists within Tarantino. So it's weird because you still have, like, Samuel L. Jackson. You still have a lot of these people that will go out and work with them. And that was what made Samuel L. Jackson's character even more interesting to me in Django. End rant. I just enjoyed seeing the white people getting getting murked. <laughs> I watch it again during the Rona, but Tarantino was all the way up for critique. No, he definitely is. And the part where he got blown up was pretty nice, but he seems to do that in every movie, so. Yeah, he kills himself often. What's he doing? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, so uh, we we just went over the fact that the abuse that that a creator inflicts on someone on a victim is much worse than me not having that abuser's uh content to enjoy basically right. is 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 what it comes down to and i i agree i agree with that and it's a great way to to look at separating the art from the artist at the end of the day um and it's a little different than what i've said before or you know what my hard line is on something but you know i think in this sense and my hard line earlier was you know it's a hard line for me if the art that you're creating is 100 percent in conflict with who you are as the person so you're portray you're pushing and portraying a particular idea but then you live in the complete opposite of that and to me i can't take the art at all and i have to remove the complete art from that at that point well i think it's very similar to like the sports world where it's like as a steelers fan you know with antonio brown earlier um with antonio brown like at first antonio brown 100 percent of the way no matter what and then antonio brown really started to show who he was off the field and so for me it became like the I love AB on the field. That is a great person to have on the field. Who he is off the field is a piece of shit. It reminds me kind of like T.O. <laughs> but but T.O. never... Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying T.O. was worse. He I, definitely wasn't. That's I, I didn't say that. It just reminded me of the way T.O. was looked at, right? Because um, T.O. was kind of hard to like say like wasn't a great player. There was issues associated with T.O., but T.O. was a great play. 6-9. Takashi 6-9 is a perfect Ooh. example because his music and who he is as a person, they don't clash at all. So even, even with the fact that his music is shit and the ideas are shit, even if they were good, if he was doing you know the same thing he's doing now, I still wouldn't hold his music to high regard for that reason. That's a great example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just even go back to AB to like wrap up what I was saying was to be like, it it it, gained, it became increasingly and increasingly harder for me to support AB, the football player, because of time and time again, AB proving how shitty of a person he really was. And that started becoming the crossing line of where my hard line is set is... 
I understand people being human and having flaws and then being able to work past their flaws. However, AB decided that he, just kept going. he was flawless. Yeah, but okay, here's another, here's another nuance to that point, though. He also, like, his antics off the field affected the team chemistry and play on the field. So his antics were actually affecting his art at the end of the day. He, the person, started to affect his own art. And I think that so, would correlate with the, the, the timeline of where I started disliking him more and more. Because, I, I don't know if it's because of that, but it, you're right. There is that nuance. There is that correlation. There is like what happens there and how it does affect like the, the sports team, um, which at the end of the day is not that important. But... It, it it kind of went along with like his actions off the field and repetitive actions off the field starting yeah. to address his work and what I admired him yeah. for and therefore exactly exactly because at the end of the day you admire him for his work in football so even though you said even though you can say oh you know sports it's just sports you know but the reason everyone likes Antonio Brown is because liked. of sports liked liked at that point yeah it's because of sports so when that no longer becomes the case when he's no longer doing that thing that everyone liked now we have to look at his character and if his character is horrible or his character is the reason he's no longer doing the thing everyone likes you can't separate the two because he's the reason in that situation for that one you can't separate the art from the artist because his the artist is directly affecting his own art in that sense i agree so that's another that's another thing if if they're a person if they're a person who their mistakes or just their flaws as a human being are actually destroying what they're creating obviously then it it's 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 a bigger issue yeah you put the glasses on so you can make yourself seem smarter okay. no so i can see how much time we have now, we uh, got uh six five. minutes we got six minutes now. Right. So, uh, besides standing in solidarity, whoever may have been wrong by an artist making the that did we read this already? No. Besides standing yep. in solidarity yep. with whoever may have been wrong by an artist making the consumer choice to cut off the artist and their art, hold them accountable, and will hopefully send the message to other creators to do better. So it, it's really interesting this point to me that Anador makes because it also reminds me of currently like with Wells Fargo and the fuck shit that they're doing, saying that there isn't a talent pool to pull from within the black community to fill higher level positions in uh, in the organization, which I just got done doing a show with my neighbor down the street and talking about like privilege and talking about like uh, equity and equality and, and you know, just because... 80% of a uh, sports industry is black or something like that doesn't mean that that is justification or a way to point out, oh, this is equality. Look how many people are making this amount of dollars. It's like, yeah, for your entertainment. But if we're actually looking in the most wealthy neighborhoods or at least the most wealthy areas of uh, business within America, and that's not based off of like talent in that way, but actual like resources and education. Then that what is the issue? And it's like so if you're pointing to me and saying like, okay, well, if Wells Fargo is literally saying that there apparently aren't enough people, or that the people aren't talented enough in order to fill these positions, like they just went against what you're saying is tr like 
happening. You're saying that because sports people are making enough money, that that must mean that they uh, have equality. But you're just, but the other people are t- telling me. You see where this yeah. gets confusing? Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole there's a hole there logically that you have to fill. Exactly, and that's where the money starts coming into it too. So you can look at Wells Fargo. I will be pulling my money from Wells Fargo and going to a different bank. There will be a lot of other people doing exactly the same. I'll be one of them too. Exactly. So while my money in Wells Fargo isn't that much, collectively us, a bunch yeah. of people, that's going to be, that's another form of protest. But when you're looking at the NBA. Well, well Tyler, there's just not enough talent in Wells Fargo to keep our money there. Exactly. So we just gotta... I tweeted and they tweeted back. I was like, oh, I, but, oh, it looks like I have to take my money out of Wells Fargo. They tweeted me like, hey, you mind sending us a DM? I said, look, I'm just taking my talentless money somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Taking our talents to South Beach. Exactly. Huh. Uh, <laughs> but it, at the in the same vein, then, like, you, you say this about, like, well, as far as there's not talent, so you take your money, and that's, like, a way to hold them accountable. That's what the NBA did with um, Marquise will be one pe- uh, one of the people, too, taking their money out of Mar- uh out of, yeah, out of Wells Fargo. But when you look at the NBA and what they decided to do in wake of like George Floyd and then Jacob Blake and everything like that was to say, we're not playing. And even though these players are the people making all these monies, what you have to understand is the fact that <laughs> that these people that are making all these money, all this money is still making money for somebody else. Making who, more, way more money. And those people that are making more money than all those players happen to be white no oh and so when you start fucking with their money that's when you see people actually starting to step up and speak to legislate uh legislators talk to representatives try to make a change that is more appealing to their slaves yeah well shit like the nba and wells fargo are almost the same even when you think about the fact that how many how many black people are actually in a leadership position in the organiz- in in the association? Not even at that highest level, not even at an ownership level. Just literally a coach, a head coach. How many black head coaches Look are at there? The fucking NFL. You know what I mean, just same in the NFL. And the NFL is way worse. Yes. So like that's just a leadership position that's still on the same level as the players in terms of money. Yes. So. We're going to wrap this up. I just want, uh, there's a lot of good conversations that we need to like branch off of from here, but I just want to thank, uh, again, everybody for helping out with the raffle. Shout out to Ruby for winning the raffle. Uh, everyone else that actually donated, we'll be doing some more so you can have another chance to win. We want to give a shout out to, um, Oakbrook Brewing Company. Always a shout out to Oakbrook because they, one, they helped out with the sponsorship yeah, for it because definitely. they gave the gift card, but then they also support us every single time. Uh, Raj just came in. Shout out to Raj. Shout out Raj and Oak uh, Park Brewing. And, and again, we just want to give our support and our thoughts and prayers as little as that actually might mean to uh, the, the community at large, uh, especially in Louisville and especially in Berks County with everything that's going on. Uh, we are going to be dedicating ourselves to figuring out how we can be a better supporter, especially for black women. Um, and that's going to be part of our, uh, pledge going forward and something that we're going to be really focused on. And that's why with our Kickstarter, as we're trying to gain money for that, we're going to try to be bringing on more black women to have this conversation because you and I can only speak from a certain perspective and we need that voice on the show because it's still an issue. When you look at the craft beer industry and the lack of representation of black people and the lack of representation of women, that gets compounded into the lack of representation of black women. So we, we want to have that conversation more. Right. 
So thank you. Next week, we're going to be talking about mental health. Until then, peace. Peace.